Character God Part 13. We're uh, pick up where we left off two weeks ago. El Shaddai. And uh, y'all turn over to Exodus 6, and then we'll pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for utterance. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. Think through my thoughts and speak through my words. I don't want it to be any uh, opinion of mine, nothing that I think. We want to know what you have to say tonight. And Father, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of you and your word, and that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding. And each individual gets rhema tonight on the inside, and it's alive to them, and, and it just goes off on the inside big. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Exodus 6 and verse 1. It said, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I'll do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. With a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. So what that tells us is that all the way up until the time Moses is standing there, nobody they might have known the name Jehovah, but they, he never revealed himself. God never revealed himself as Jehovah. So what happened after that, we will eventually get on this, I don't know when, but we have what, what Jehovah did was he showed up big. That's when the ten plagues started happening, and then you know the walls of water with the Red Sea and pillars of fire and cloud and rocks. All that magnificent stuff, power. He did that through Jehovah. We never saw any of that during the first stages of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or even Joseph. There was no big miracles, not big big shows of power. I mean, yeah, Sarah got pregnant when she was 90. She shouldn't have got pregnant. I mean, you know, that, they could explain that in the Inquirer. And I'm sure somebody tried to explain it away in the Inquirer. I mean, you can't explain it. They're, they're trying to explain away the Red Sea thing. Yeah, I saw this last week. There's a thing coming. Science is trying to explain how Jesus walked on water and it was ice. I hope he had his totes rubbers on so he didn't slip and fall. You know, because those sandals could have been pretty chilly walking on the ice. You know, there in the middle of the desert area. Anyway, El Shaddai, God Almighty, right? And Shaddai is that Hebrew word shed, meaning breast. So Shaddai is the all-bountiful, all-sufficient, breasty one who nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. And here's El Shaddai. Almighty God, who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. Say that. Supplies me, me, with more than enough. Right, so we're getting to know his character, that he wants you to have more than enough. Not just enough, not less than enough. He wants you to have more than enough. You know, when we, re- when we get to know his character, and then we start resting in that, and that we know he'll show up with more than enough, which we'll start seeing more than enough. Until you start believe, see. Until we stop saying, "Well, you just never know with God." Well, you get what you want. You're getting what you say. If you never know with God, then you get you never know. No, but I know my God supplies me with more than enough. When you know that, then that's what you get. All right, Genesis 29. We left Jacob off here, so we'll back up a little bit because it's been a, been a little what, a, what two weeks now since we started on, since we finished this off. So, Genesis 29 and verse 14. Now remember, we're trying to look at all this stuff from God's point of view. We always look at it from Jacob and you know what happened with him or with Abraham. Or I, from their point, I want to know how God's looking at this thing because I want to know God's character. How is He dealing with these people and what does He think of them? 
Because what he thinks of them, he's going to think of you. Because that's what he thinks of people that are in his covenant. Okay? So in verse 14 of Genesis 29, it said, And Laban said unto him, Jacob, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him in the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because you're my brother, should thou therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Y'all remember that? And then he lowballed himself. He didn't ask God. He, didn't, he said, no, I want the girl. He said, And Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And so Jacob loved Rachel. Now, he only known her a month, so it can't, it's more infatuation than love at this point. right? He's emotionally attached to her anyway. And uh, he said, I'll serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And so Jacob served, served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had to her. First off, I mean, this dude's dumber than a sack of hammers. When, we were, when Kimmy and I were dating, she said, well, i got to finish college first. I said, see, I'm finding somebody else because I ain't waiting until you get your doctorate till we get married. You ask her. I said, take the ring off and mail it to me. Actually, you could keep it. I don't care. But I ain't waiting seven years for you to get your doctorate. Or whatever it was. She wanted to get her doctorate. She got on a plane, came to Hawaii six weeks later, and we were married. See what God has to deal with? Jacob's wasting seven years of his life. He could have had her. They've been out of there. Remember Rebecca? Jacob's mama? She was out of there. He said, oh, let her stay here ten more days. What did Eleazar say? Now I got to go now. Man, the five o'clock camel's leaving. Better load it up. And she went right out of the blue. Boom, gone. And then back on God's plan. Detour. Now, who did this detour? Who who named the wages? Right. So if you name your wages and you don't ask God and you're doing a detour, don't be complaining. God, why did that happen to me? God didn't do it to you. And then if you don't have more than enough, why don't you have more than enough? Well, you ain't on God's plan right now. You're getting, you named your wages. Whose wages were they? So And he named them. Well, what's he complaining about? Because he does some complaining here in a minute. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. And so Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. These dudes had to be smashed, okay? Now, last time when we looked at this, we were kind of looking at it from Jacob's point of view, but, you know, I want to kind of think of it from Leah's point of view. She's a sister. She's been seeing, you know, Jacob and Rachel go on picnic walks, and she knows what's going on. And then her daddy sent her in there in the honeymoon tent, and he's drunk and he don't know it. Man, that's a recipe for domestic violence. And, and Leah's on the brunt of it. But she's doing what her daddy told her. She's, she's under his authority and submitted to him. She does what he says. She gets caught in the crossfire for doing what she was told to do. Okay? So in verse 24, it said, And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his handmaid, her his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning... Behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done unto me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me or tricked me? Now, did Jacob do any tricking in his history? Yeah, so he's just reaping what he sowed. Now, if he was such a great tricker, he should have known he was about to get tricked. 
No matter how slick you are, there's somebody slicker out there, okay? Kids. Yeah, you teenagers, you think you're slick. You ain't slick. I'm slicker than all of you, guarantee it. And you know what? Your mom and dads are too. They might not act like it, but they were teenagers once. They tried all the angles. You think we don't know nothing, but, you know, well, anyway, we'll get on that later. Verse 26, and Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. So fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which you shall serve me yet another seven years. And so Jacob, he did. Now, does he have anybody to complain to but himself? He's the one that entered into that agreement. He said, okay, again. Now, I would have quit at this point. I'd have been like, Rachel, get your bags packed. We're out of here. But whatever. You now it's his life. And so Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, Bill, Rachel, his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And verse 30 says, And he, that's Jacob, went in also unto Rachel, that means the honeymoon tent, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now, it just said that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, so I know he did love Leah somewhat because it said he loved her more. But then in the very next verse it said, Rachel was hated. In the Hebrew, that word means personal enemy. So you know who hated who hated Leah? Rachel. Because Leah got her man. Now look, Leah's point of view and God's point of view, because they're going to match up, because Leah is the one that goes after God. She's a Hebrew. Remember that Hebrew line? That's why God sent Jacob, or really, it is God, but through Isaac, sent Jacob up there to get a wife from the Hebrews. Rachel wasn't one of the few that was going after the one God Leah was, because Rachel took the idols when they leave, because she's still worshiping her daddy's gods. Leah's a covenant gal. She likes that. Worships one God. Elohim. Now look, she don't have the physical package that Rachel has. You understand that from the scripture? Rachel is banking on whatever her physical talents or attributes and what her looks are. Whatever, whether it's sports, there's some guys in sports that have talent, they rest on that. There's guys that are f- super fast in the stock market, you know, they rest on their talents on how to make money. You know, male and female models and actors and actresses, they make their, they cast their money in on looks. That's why plastic surgery is a big boom out in Hollywood. Leah, she ain't got all that. You know what she got? Covenant making God. Beats and trumps Rachel's little, you know, Hawaiian Tropicana body. Serious. Now, because she is the one that goes after God, now, and I, I, we'll see this here. Well, let's just read. So she's the one that went after God. What happened? It says, And the Lord, in verse 31, saw that Leah was hated. She's Rachel's personal enemy. He opened up her womb, uh, but he left Rachel barren. Now, see, having babies in this culture, that's where women got their stock in this culture. 
You produce sons, sons now, not daughters either. Man, you produce sons, you top of the heap. That's why Sarah was such a problem for her. And she's so frustrated. She told Abraham, go over and sleep with Hagar so at least I can have a son and say it's my son in the neighborhood so the neighbors won't be like, yeah, Sarah ain't got no kids. What's wrong with her? Because her value isn't near socially what it is somebody who produces kids. God's looking out after Leah because Leah's looking out after the covenant. Hey, that's a bad spot to be in. Your husband that you got thrown in there by your daddy is in love with your sister who's the second wife. Cat fight all the time. Watch this play out. Y'all thought Seinfeld started it. Nope. It's in Genesis. Verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, which in the Hebrew means, see, a son. As in, hey, Rachel, see, I got a son. What do you got over there? Oh, nothing. Ooh, okay. And she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. See, she's in a spot where she can't win without God. She can't just be like, well, I'm out of here. That doesn't exist back then. She can't go get a job somewhere. There isn't one. So God starts hooking her up. Boy, and then look what happened. And she conceived again and bare another son. Now we got two. And she said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. Who do you think she's saying this to? Yeah. Hey, Rachel. It's all right. We're on the end plan. Just wanted to call you up and let you know that because the Lord heard I was hated, therefore he gave me another son also. And she called his name Simeon, meaning hearing. Oh, man, God's funny, ain't he? Look at verse 34. And she conceived again and bare another son. And then she said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name will be called Levi, which means attached. So now this is three years have gone by since the two of them, the two sisters married. Three years is a long time for Rachel at this point. Because the pressure is starting to build. How come you ain't, you know, Jacob's over in Rachel's tent a whole lot more than he's in Leah's tent. You understand? He he goes and does his husbandly duty about once a year. And every time he does, the magic happens. God shows up. Just reading the Bible. And in verse 35, she conceived again and bare another son. And she said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, which means celebrated or praised. And she left off bearing. That's the covenant line. That's the one Jesus came out of. Rachel ain't in the covenant line. Leah is. Why? She gave her attention to God. Rachel, she's banking on her looks, and she's still hanging out with her daddy's gods. Genesis 30 and verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children... Now, that's four years have gone by now. Well, how do you know it's four years? Because it takes nine months for each of them babies to hatch. All right, we've got four of them now. And Rachel envied her sister. You think? 
It never says anywhere that Leah envied Rachel. Did you notice that? Leah would be the one in the spot to envy Rachel, I would think, because Rachel had it all. She's the pretty one. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Yet Rachel's the one that's doing the hating. And she said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. All right, go ahead. What did Jacob do? He said, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead, who's withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? Look, I know my boys are swimming. It ain't me, dumplings. I got four right over there. And in verse 3, she said, Behold my maid Bilhah. Now look, here's a Sarah move, right? Look, here's my handmaid Bilhah. Go in unto her, and she'll bear upon my knees that I may yet also have children by her. We've seen this before. Does it work? Dumber than dumb. But what Jacob do? Okay. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, to wife, and Jacob went in unto her, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me, and he has also heard my voice, and hath given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan, or Judge. Did God hear her? She went and worked that one out on her own. God doesn't have nothing to do with that deal. This is, no, this is where people lose it in their covenant. They go and try and handle something on their own. How arrogant is that for you to take over God's spot? If you're in covenant and you're doing what God told you to do, then he needs to show up and do what you're asking and telling him to do. He's got to obey. Remember that from last week? So, so if Rachel had just jumped into the covenant, then she'd have some ground to stand on. But instead of doing that, she decides to go this other route and come up with this other scheme, which, you know, adultery and whatnot. Well, then they made it legal and now it's polygamy. I'm really thinking, God, really, is Jacob all that much better than Esau? The dude has fallen for everything, and I mean, he's just like, okay, okay, okay. Laban tricks him twice. Rachel tells him to go into his handmaid. Now he's got three wives. This thing's going downhill fast for Jacob. And Laban ain't paying him enough to support three wives, and what's he got, five kids now? And in verse 7 it says, And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again, <laughs> and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali, which means my wrestling. Did she prevail? Honey, you are lying to yourself. Nobody believes that mess, especially you. Leah don't believe it. She's too busy taking care of her four. How many you got again? Oh, none. Right. Do you know Rachel could have avoided all this if she just didn't hate her sister? Hmm. In verse 9, When Leah saw that she had left off bearing, the baby wars, cat fight, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob to wife. Jacob is, what are you doing, dude? Now you got four. And Zilpah Leah's maid bare Jacob a son, 
And Leah said, a troop cometh. And he named his name Gad, which means a troop. Yeah, she got a whole squad of youngins now. A couple more, they can have their own baseball team with a bench. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bear Jacob a second son. Jacob's busy, ain't he? This is all the same year that Judah was born. He's getting bounced around between honeymoon tents like a pinball. Oh, he come home out of the field, find out who he's sleeping with that night. Dude don't even know which bed's his. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. All the women of the land. That's a social structure. Remember we were talking about that? She said, oh, all the other girls, they'll call me blessed. And so she named his name Asher, which means happy. In verse 14, we'll let that go. And Reuben went in the days of wheat, in the days of the wheat harvest. So here's Reuben. How old is Reuben now? He's five years old, so he's Jack's age. He's running around in the wheat harvest. And of course, you know, he probably wants to see what the big combines are and the tractors and, and, and work those too, you know. Right, so he's out running around there. And he found mandrakes in the field, and he brought them unto his mother Leah. Now, what are mandrakes? In the, in the Hebrew, they're called love apples. It's a narcotic that was believed to help fertility. Okay? So here's Reuben. He's like, Mommy, what are these? You give me those. Don't you touch those. Give me those love apples. And what happens? Rachel saw it. And so Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. I need the love apples. I don't have a baby yet. Let me have the love apples. Give me the love apples. And so Leah says unto her, Is it a small matter that you have taken my husband and you would take away my son's love apples also? And Rachel said, Okay, he can go lie with you tonight if you give me your son's love apples. They're cutting a deal over where Jacob's sleeping tonight. This boy, he is out to lunch. They're cutting a deal for a narcotic. Rachel wants the narcotic because it'll help her get pregnant. Okay, you give me that and he can sleep with you tonight. Because obviously where he's been sleeping, she just Leah just said, you've taken away my husband, I ain't seen him since I left off Baron. What was that, like two years ago? Now, if you're God, what are you thinking about all that? How do I get anything done? How can I reveal myself as El Shaddai how? These, look at this. This is like they don't even put this on like the OC. It wouldn't even be allowed on TV. It'd be a Showtime show. And so verse uh, verse sixteen said, and Jacob came out of the field in the evening. Do 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 do. Wonder what's for dinner. And Leah went out to meet him and said, "You must come in unto me, for I have surely hired thee. It's her husband. I hired thee with my son's love apples." And he was like, okay. And he lay with her that night. Threw himself on a grenade for the love apples. And in verse 17, God hearkened unto Leah. Oh, you mean God obeyed Leah? What? Yeah, God obeyed Leah and she conceived and she bare Jacob a fifth son. This is the fifth one that she produces. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire because I have given my maiden to my husband and she called his name Issachar, which means he will bring me reward. She knows every time what's going on with her covenant. She knows that God's doing it 
And she gives God attention and she gives Him credit and she gives Him praise every time instead of trying to justify herself, which is Rachel. See, God likes me too. Really? He would if you'd show him some love. said, And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun, which means habitation. You see what's going on? She's, she got six kids. He still don't live with her. He's living with Rachel. Leah's the girl that's going after God. Jacob's hanging out with the girl that doesn't give a rip about the covenant. And man, God is so good. So she's got six sons. And then look, he gives her her baby girl. Cherry on top. And afterwards, in verse 21, she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah, which means justice. Jacob's 91 right now. Whew. Oh boy, wow. Now, in verse 22, this is six years since the wedding day. Remember that fateful day when he woke up and said, Behold, it's Leah! And then he got Rachel too the next day. Second seven-year contract. He's six years into it. Rachel still has nothing. Blaming God. Something must have happened in her thinking and what she did, because then we'll look at it in verse 22. Something must have happened in six years. Because it says, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened unto her, and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son, and said, God hath taken away my reproach. Finally. Finally. So she must have made an adjustment. And then she said, look at what she said. And she called his name Joseph, which means let him add, and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. She makes a faith call. I'm getting another one. And she got another one. It was Benjamin. And it came to pass in verse 25, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go unto my own place and to my own country. Fourteen years he's been there. Because now, remember, six years she got pregnant with Joseph. Joseph now that. Fourteen years he's been diddling around with this uncle that's been juicing him. Finally, he's had enough. See, God will wait a long time for you to get back on track. He'll wait. He didn't go anywhere. This is all Jacob's doing. So he says unto Laban, in verse 26, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thy eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord's blessed me for your sake. This little maggot, he don't serve God, but he knows his meal ticket is Jacob because Jacob serves God and God's blessing him because Jacob's there. And look what he said. Appoint me thy wages and I'll give it to you. Now here's the second time. Laban says, tell me your wages and I'll give it to you. Now, 14 years, you think Jacob learned anything? He did. He finally, he, he learned some stuff in 14 years. Slow learner, but he got it. 
And so he said unto him, as Jacob says unto Laban, You know how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hast before I came, and now it's increased unto a multitude. And the Lord has blessed thee since my coming. Now when shall I provide for my own house also? And he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. Now on the surface you think, This boy is dumb. But no, because watch. He said, You don't give me anything. Watch how slick this guy is. If you'll do this one thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. And I'll pass through all your flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and that'll be my hire. I'll take all the reject defects. All the junk that you don't want anyway, I'll take that. Laban's thinking, oh yeah, this boy is dumb. How are you my, my, sister's, my sister's son? You just, uh, no way. You really it must, you must be from Isaac's side of the family. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. When it shall come for my hire before thy face, everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats, brown among the sheep, shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said in verse 34, Behold, I would it might be according to your word. Dum dum. So this is easy. This is like branding, right? Anything that's a reject, spotted, speckled, branded, it's, it's off colors. Not like the ones that we really want at market. Those are Jacob's. If they find any good ones, Jacob said, you count it as stolen, which means I've got to return fourfold for a sheep, five for an ox. Laban's like, that sounds like a good deal. Wow, he's like, man, one born every minute. Sucker. And so Jacob went in verse 35 that day and the goats that were ring straked and spotted and all the goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and the brown among the sheep, he gave them into the hands of his sons. Reuben's only seven. Well, dude's 91 taking this flock and giving it to Reuben who's seven, you know, and who are the rest of them? Well, he's got Simeon, he's six, uh, Levi's five, and Judah's four. See a bunch of Drews and Jacks and Michaela is running the sheep. Got to go with what you got. He got no other servants. Boys, time to go to work. And so verse 36, and he set three days journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. So he sets them apart. He wants to make sure that these are mine over here. And he sends all the sons over there. He says, boys, you take care of these sheep. I'll be back. Three days journey. That's quite a distance. Then he goes back and he's running the ranch for Laban. Now Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of the hazel and the chestnut tree and pilled white strakes in them. And he made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters. That's the uh, watering troughs. In the watering troughs, duh. When the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. Now, there is no science for this little deal that he did. It doesn't work. But I will tell you in a minute that he got Rhema. He, he got smart. And before he named his wages, he went to God and said, What wages should I name this time? And God gave him a plan and told him, Do this. I don't care how stupid you think it is. If you do this, I'll give you your inheritance. So he did this. And this is stupid. This doesn't work. Except that God told him to do it. So what works? Obedience. 
So, and the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring-strakes, speckled, and spotted. So they have all these baby spotted sheeps and stuff. And so Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring-staked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put them in his own flocks by themselves. He put them not into Laban's cattle. And when it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle came to conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of this cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. So when the thoroughbred $10,000 a shot turkey baster stud bulls came in, the rods go out in the trough. Babies come out speckled. Thank you. I got the good stock. When the little anorexic, you know, barely watered little cow comes in, he takes the rods up. Here, go ahead. Yeah. And out come the little anorexic, cheesy, but perfect in color. And that goes over to Laban's. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. This, is, this plan has worked for six years. Six years he's doing this. In verse 42, it says, But when the cattle were feeble, he put not the rods in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Ha! Who's, getting, who's slicker now? God. How do you know it was God? I'll tell you. Relax, relax. We're getting to it. And so the man increased in verse 43 exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. That ain't his relatives. It was donkeys. Look, he started out, he had his five-year-old running the sheep because he, he couldn't afford anything. Do you understand? He had nothing. Dude was like a hired hand. His wages were whatever Laban gave him. And so he starts out putting his little kids, six, seven, and five, and four, to work. Now, after six years, he's got men servants and maid servants. He's got camels, too, and donkeys. I didn't say the other word again. He can afford to have a posse. In six years, he went from zero to hero. Because he was doing what God told him. Go to Genesis 31 and verse 1. Now, Reuben is 13 at this point because six more years went by. Simeon, he's 12. Levi, 11. And Judah is 10. Jacob, he's 97. He finally got it together at 97 years old. And you're God looking for a covenant guy to keep the covenant. And he picked Jacob because Esau didn't want to have anything to do with the covenant. Do, do you understand? God don't care how sharp you are. He doesn't care how good, how sharp, how talented. He don't care. All he's looking for is somebody that will just do what he asked them to do. That's it. But that's great. Because it ain't on you anyway. It's on him. All you got to do is go, okay, I'll do it. Genesis 31 and verse 1. And Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob had taken away all that was our father's, and all that which was of our fathers hath he gotten all his glory. He took all Laban's wealth. He took his entourage. Took his commerce. Took all his power. Now Jacob is superior. Remember that from glory? 
Jacob got it. Took six years. You know, he could have got it a whole lot faster if he just started with God's plan. God, what's my wages? You know, by the time that he named his wages the second time that Laban asked him, 14 years ago and by, did he get in the mess that he was in overnight? No, he dug himself a 14-year hole. Listen to me. Because some of you are in a 14-year hole and you're expecting God to get you out overnight. Oh, it got quiet. After the campaign, I gained like 40 pounds, maybe 30, eating Oreos and potato chips and being depressed. It went on in the course of about a year. It took like two years to get it off. It didn't go on overnight, so all the next when I finally decided I ain't going to be like this anymore, I want to get back into my normal clothes, it didn't happen overnight just because I made the decision. Because Oreos weren't going in my body just one night. Month after month after month with Happy Cow and peanut butter. Oh, it was so good. Right? And now I'm going to get mad. Well, I just, you know, I can't believe it just didn't come off like that. No, and you know what? It's t- it takes twice as long to get it off as it does to go on, and it's way harder work. I had to run six miles after one piece of ooey-gooey gutter cake the other day. What was it, last time we had pot potluck? He said, man, I don't know if it's worth it. It is why you're eating. That's right, it was. And I got a big piece, too. I'm like, if I'm running six miles, it's going to be a big one. So look, don't get frustrated if you're in a spot. And it ain't happening fast enough for you because you didn't get there overnight. Well, whatever it is, whatever you know, I'm using weight because it just was you know an easy generic thing for me. Could be a bad marriage relationship. I guarantee it wasn't bad overnight. If it was, you'd have got up, woke up the next morning, got an annulled. See this stuff, that's why it says the small, the little foxes spoil the vine. Because they're all like seeds and these things grow. And it's the little stuff. If you don't stay on top of the little stuff, it grows into bigger stuff and bigger and you don't even realize it. Till the next thing you know, you can't fit in your size 40 waist jeans anymore. What? Did I go to boot camp for nothing? i got to tell you, those Oreos tasted good going down every night that I was eating them. I, I, I won't do that again. If I do, I'll have one or two Oreos to be like, okay, that was good. But I ain't binging on them anymore. Because the price is just too, I don't want to pay that price again. So remember, whatever your situation is, I'm using, like, I'm using Oreos. It could, whatever your Oreo cookie is, remember that from Conscience? Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be, mine was, a, you know, I'm just using that. Think about it. Do I really want to pay the price? See, because some of us, we'll get out of that. We'll finally push through whatever the stuff, the problem we were in, and we'll get with God, and then we'll get happy again and just start relaxing, and then we'll go back to that. That's what happened with the children of Israel after they came into their inheritance. They lost it. They got taken away to captivity because they were like, oh, no, this stuff's fun too. Remember that fun stuff we had in Egypt with all the, you know, the pagan rituals and the orgies and stuff? Let's go do that again. 
Well, why did God let us get captured? Why, why did he take us away? You did it to yourself, man. And remember, when you come back to your inheritance, you got to sow. You can't reap again where you didn't sow. you got to bring seed with you. you got to bust up ground that's been left barren. Remember, the heathen are doing it for us the first time we come in, keeping it sowing and reaping going. So once you get it, don't lose it. The price is not worth it to have to start over again. I know folks that came into their inheritance and lost it. It's hard work to come back into it. Look, don't roll over for nothing. I don't care how long it takes. It ain't over till you say it's over. Jacob, same way. He, he paid a 20-year price, but it wasn't over till he said it was over. He finally got on track at year 14. He had six more years to pay before he could go out on his own. If he did it God's way, he probably would have been out of there real fast, just like Rebecca. And he could have been home because his double, member <laughs> he was the birthright double portion of inheritance is waiting for him at Isaac. Yet he can't even pay his bills over here. Why? Because he named his wages and for 14 years. Why would you do that? you got a double shot of the richest of the rich over here and you're over here just scraping by. I don't know why you do that, but I know that my covenant God, if he'll use a cat like Jacob, only because Jacob said, okay, I'll do it, he'll do the same thing for you if you just say, okay, God, I'll do it. Man, that's good. Genesis 31 and verse 2. It takes all the pressure off you. You don't got to perform. God does. All you got to do is just believe Him. And Jacob held the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Uh Uh-oh. Laban finally figured out after six years, my flock ain't that good. Jacob's is real good. Laban ain't too smart if it took him six years to figure it out. And the Lord said unto Jacob, in verse 3, Return to your land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I'll be with thee. Twenty years he waited to get that raiment from God. He could have got it the first week. In verse 4 it said, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. Remember three days away? So he sends the boys back, go get mama. Come on back. So both mamas come back. And he sits down and has a family meeting. He says, look, I see your father's countenance not toward me as it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I served, that with all my power I served your father. And your father deceived me and changed my wages ten times. Now look, this is, look, he wasn't getting raises for ten times. He didn't get promoted and got a pay increase. Ten times he got decreased. Do you understand? Laban came out on the better end of the deal ten times in 20 years. Except the last one. That's the only one that counts, isn't it? He said, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. You see this? He's got rhema. God's saying this to him. He said, if the speckled do, the speckled be your wages. If the ring stake be thy hire then they will all bear ring stake. And God has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream, and behold, are you seeing this? God gives him the plan with the rods. He tells him when to put them out there. He gives him the whole deal. The whole deal is God's plan. He finally got smart the next time Laban asked him what your wages are. It took him 14 years. Don't be that dumb. 
He said, And behold, it came to pass that when the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-staked and speckled and grizzled. And the angel of God spoke unto me in a dream and said, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see. The rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-staked, speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. God was not asleep at the wheel this whole time. You know what he was waiting for? What was he waiting for? Jacob to say, here am I. Because as soon as Jacob said, here I am, hey God, I just want to check in with you. These last, you know, 14 years weren't working out too good. You got something for me? Rhema maybe? What do you got? He said, I've seen all what's going on. I got your back. Don't worry about it. God's got your back. He's got it, man. He knows what's going on. There's nothing hidden from him. So we get all torn out of the frame. Did you know what someone said to me and what they did? Yeah, God's like, yeah, I know. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Just waiting on you to ask me. <laughs> waiting on the here am I. All right, God, here I am. We got a plan? Here's the deal. God's like the coach and you're like the quarterback. He'll call the play in, give it to you, and now you go execute it. you got to show up, but he gives you the play, and it's the right play to fool the enemy every time. Every time. God's playbook is really cool. I'm not even sure that he duplicates the same play twice. I don't know if I've ever seen that or not. I don't know. There's always some twist in it, you know, like, yeah, watch this one. Whoa, and hey, and hey, you know. Let God hot dog it a little bit. It's all right. It's his prerogative. He can. He's been at it for a while. I'm sure he's got to amuse himself somehow. Because if I was God and I was dealing with, like, say, me, I'd be beating my head on, oh, is there not somebody else I can use already? So you got to understand, all, all God's got is us, Christians. That's all he's got. Just sorry bunch, man. I look around and be like, man, God, I don't know how you get anything done. That's why we're 2,000 years into this thing and Jesus still ain't come back yet. You know, all throughout the, old, or the New Testament, they're all saying he could come back any time. Somehow it got all watered down and diverted and twisted, and I don't know what we're, you know. Now it's just some intellectual exercise for 99% of the body of Christ. Even in word churches, it's just an intellectual exercise. We just come punch our ticket, and we say our faith confession, and yeah, we, you don't really believe it. We don't really go, here am I. I think I'm starting to get something for Sunday. I can say, I'm, you know... We're right on the edge of it, guys. We ain't, we ain't rolling over for nothing. We're going right on through. We're on the edge of it. I don't care. You know what? <laughs> you know why this week was so horrible for us? I'm talking about me and Jeff and Patty right now because I don't know about the rest of y'all's week. I just know that our two weeks were garbage. You know why? Because we're on the edge of it. Hell is scared right now that we're about to break through the other side of this thing. They, oh, I'm telling you, they're just coming out. They're just, oh, my God. They're freaking out. Because once we figure out how, to, once we figure out, and we have the anatomy right now in 2006 how to come into our inheritance, all we got to do is duplicate it. Easy. Once you're healed, it's easy to get healed. All you do is duplicate what you just did. Just do it again, and another time, and another time, and so on. And then there was a shampoo commercial, and then we got big. 
Do you remember that shampoo commercial? And they told two friends, and she told two friends, and so on and so on. None of the kids seen it. I know. Don't worry about it. It's an old one. It was when Get Smart was on in prime time. Yeah, you remember? Yeah. But I, it's just that easy. We just got to get through one of them, and then it'll be easy. We'll all duplicate. We're right on the edge, guys. Don't get man. Do not. Don't be. Don't waver in this stuff. Do not doubt. Your God's bigger than anything that hell ever thought up. Satan got shot out of there like a little flick. Jesus said, with the finger of God, I cast out devils. Cancer, poverty, lack. What else you got? It's like fruit flies. You know why we have them? Because we tolerate them. You jagger would get the bug smacker. He calls it the bug smacker. Look out when he's got that thing in his hand. Somebody's getting hit. If he gets a fruit fly, he'll get some other stuff too. Usually me, whatever's on my plate at the dinner table. Don't be afraid of that, man. Smack the bug. Who cares? But they, we got more food in the fridge. Not a problem. Get rid of that, whatever that is. Sickness, lack, poverty. Get rid of it. If there's some collateral damage, it's all right. We got rid of it. Well, that's what I was talking about. I don't care if you're mean or nice and dominating. There might be some collateral damage. It's war. It'll be all right. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to oversmack. <laughs> don't be. You know, the Marine Corps, the motto in the Marine Corps is not, you know, Semper Fi, really. It's if it don't fit, get a bigger hammer. You should do that with your life. When you're dominating, use a bigger hammer. If you can't drive sickness off, get a bigger hammer and hammer hammer sickness. If it's lack, give me a jackhammer. Hook it up and just keep hammering away at it until it's nothing. And let's not wait 17 years or 14 years before we get on and ask God, what's your plan? Yeah, you know, just give it to me, God. Here I am. Whatever it is, I'll do it. That's, it's scary, though, because he'll tell you to do some crazy stuff, like take rods and put them in front of a water and trough. Oh, yeah, that'll work, God, yeah. You don't think he was the laughing stock of all the boys at Bonanza? Hoss and little Joe, like, look at that, Jacob, is that idiot? That don't work. What are you doing? Six years later, he took our daddy's glory. We can, you can do it. Here am I. That's all it is to it. Bang, here I am. All right? Oh, Sunday's going to be fun. I can just got that scent. Glory. All right, y'all stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for being our God that supplies us with more than enough. Yeah, I thank you for putting up with us and carrying on anyway. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that you're faithful and you're on time every time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you for allowing us to be part of this beautiful covenant. In Jesus' name, amen.